Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 198 of the Drunk Dash Trends Podcast. I'm your host, as always. I am Tyler. And joining me, we have my good friend, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Gables. How are you? You know, Tyler, I'm doing pretty good for myself. More frustration at the workplace, but other than that, I'm still here. Still kicking. How have you been doing? Uh, doing all right. A little hungover today. Ah! Decided to celebrate St. Patty's Day yesterday. Uh, did not go as well as one. I got a swift reminder why I don't go downtown and also don't drink liquor. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I bought a $150 bottle of vodka. Um, which that, yeah, that was, that's, that's all I need to remind me not to do things, uh, not to go downtown. So other than that, the man is returning all the way from Mexico. We have Troy. What's up, buddy? What's the business? (laughs) Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've had a pretty decent week. I mean, it's been pretty hectic. I got back from PAX on Monday night and, uh, immediately had to go into scramble mode to, uh, take care of business that didn't get done when I was before I left. I tried to get all my school stuff kind of squared away. Uh, there was actually an exam, so I flew out on Wednesday afternoon, and there was an exam that I was supposed to take on Wednesday morning, uh, mm-hmm. but the professor didn't have it up at 6 a.m. like he had promised. Um, so uh, I couldn't take the exam, but uh, luckily, since he it was his mistake, I actually was able to take it when I got back. But then there was quizzes and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so it's been a pretty hectic week. I still have to do all my write-ups for everything that I uh, that I actually saw at PAX, too. So I'll probably have somebody breathing down my neck about deadlines on that in the not-too-distant future. But luckily, it's spring break, so I've got time to try and knock some of that stuff out. Nice. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, nice. So far, everything's good. Weather's great. Uh, I narrowly missed the blizzard that uh, struck the East Coast. I, I think... Four hours after I took off and flew out of Newark is when that blizzard was supposed to hit. Uh, as I was standing at the airport, I was watching flights get canceled uh, left and right. So I was very fortunate and glad that I did not get stuck at the airport for two or three days because I think they're still kind of backed up, like trying to get all that stuff cleared out. And that would have been really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but um, oh, real quick, Justin is not here this week. Uh, I, he was one of the people I hung out with last night. And he is definitely uh, in a rough spot right now. Uh, so that's the reason he's out this week. Um, but anyways. Get well you soon. Want, you, so you want, you want to. <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully he, he can sleep it off tonight and uh, be okay tomorrow. Uh, but anyways, you said, so you mentioned you were gone last week. You were at PAX East. I was indeed. Um, why don't you uh, tell us you know, tell us a little bit about PAX East, you know, goods, bads, what, what you saw, all that? Yeah, PAX East was pretty good. Uh, so I flew out of El Paso and landed in uh, in Newark, New Jersey, and then uh, so I stayed the night with uh, Michael Miller, the owner of Proven Gamer, wow. and then we kind of all drove up to Boston. Um, I got to do the whole 
uh, it was pretty neat because I'd never been to New York City before. So these like, well, let's go downtown. So we went to uh, d- to uh, Times Square, which was pretty dope. I kind of wandered around Times Square. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of suspected before I got there that it was going to be uh, my idea of it. In my mind was it was a lot like the Vegas Strip. Uh, which it absolutely was a lot like the Vegas Strip if the buildings were a lot closer together and a whole lot taller. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise you still got, you know, people all around you trying to sell you stuff or, you know, get you to go to a show. Um, I guess the only thing that was missing was the people with the little cards with the naked girls on them that are, you know, trying to get you oh, to yeah. get the escorts. But yeah, it was pretty dope. <laughs> uh, one thing that I thought was funny is the, uh, so, you you know, you have your street performers, you know, the people who, you know, you take pictures with dressed as Elmo or whatever the hell. <laughs> uh, there, so there, they have a law now where, like, I guess it didn't used to be this way, but recently where, like, they have these green squares on the sidewalk and those people have to stay within those green squares. Like, they can't go out, you know, beyond that to go and, you know, solicit people and stuff. Um, which is pretty uh, created a pretty interesting thing where w- I got there around lunch hour and there's people like sitting around Times Square eating lunch and stuff and then there's these street performers you know you got your your naked cowboy which is like you know a, a Times Square staple uh, but they're all in these <laughs> little, little green squares on the sidewalk and it was almost like a weird like uh, a zoo like you're hanging out <laughs> watching these street performers and it's like these people are sitting here eating you know their meals and just watching the street performers and it was kind of an interesting thing uh i went to the nintendo store uh in uh rockefeller Ooh. plaza which oh. was pretty dope uh that was a really neat store i really enjoyed it uh and it was funny too because i was wearing a zelda t-shirt at the time and so uh we were walking through uh you know Times square and there's this guy who's normally you know he's trying to promote his comedy club or whatever uh and so he calls me from like 30 40 feet away he's like hey zelda he's like you get a chance to play that new uh that new zelda game i was like yeah definitely he's like, is it worth getting a switch for and like it's just like i just ended up having this like total like emergent conversation with this guy on the street in Times square about <laughs> about the new zelda game uh so yeah it was pretty crazy uh the one thing I, I mean, I haven't even left New York yet, but one thing I noticed about, because, I mean, I'm a West Coast guy, born in the West Coast, live in the West Coast. It's definitely a different frame of mind. Uh, but one thing I noticed about New York City was it was simultaneously the most uh, abrupt and in-your-face place, but also, like, the like most cordial. Like, it was weird, because people are, like, real, like like, quick to, like like honk horns like they're constantly honking horns and yelling at each other on the streets and stuff like that but then also like the people were just like totally polite it was the weirdest thing ever um, <laughs> i was so used to it the, yeah does that sound like new york at all it was pretty well, crazy. well at least what i well at least what you hear yeah that's the thing is i'd never been you know but i mean i've known people from the east coast my mom was uh my mom grew up in new york uh, upstate new york though so it's a little different but it was interesting uh so then we we you know we ended up in boston uh we had to stop along the way to take a picture in front of the wwe headquarters in some place in oh, connecticut Stanford. uh <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a WWE fan, but uh, since the Proven Gamer also has the Smart Marks podcast, which is the wrestling podcast, um, Mike wanted me to take a picture in front of it to kind of troll those guys because actually one of the hosts, uh, Jeremy, was supposed to come with us to Pax East, and then he you know he couldn't at the last minute, so uh, huh. we're supposed to troll. So I did the whole uh, Hulk Hogan pose in front of the WWE. Uh, building there which was i guess kind of cool i guess i mean like i said i'm not a big wrestling fan so it didn't it, it didn't leave me awestruck like it it should you know some other people um so yeah we got into boston and pax was dope uh so yeah but the thing was is it was like i think the day before we got there it was like it was like in the 50s or 60s 
Uh, and then the, the day we were there, uh, actually the night as we rolled in, like it got ugly, uh, like cold front rolled in it was snowing on Friday morning. Um, pretty bad. Um, and I was ill prepared for it. Like, you know, being from the desert, I had jeans, t-shirts, I had a couple hoodies and I had athletic shoes. Uh, and when I woke up and went to PAX the first morning, it was like 10 degrees outside. Oh shit. Uh, which was pretty bad. And uh, I mean, it, that was, I mean, that was the air temperature. I think the wind chill was way worse because it was, it was pretty windy. Uh, but yeah, uh, PAX was good. Um, this is my first, it was my second PAX. I went to PAX South, uh, during the inaugural year. Uh, but this was my first PAX being, uh, there on a media badge, um, which is kind of completely different. So I had, you know, set appointments to see de- devs and stuff like that. And, uh, they had like a special thing on Friday morning where we were able to go out on the show floor like an hour before it opened to the public and kind of walk around. Uh, one of the devs actually had a breakfast for, you know, all the media and stuff, which was pretty dope. So I got coffee and, and a bagel and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, it was like kind of, it was super crowded, which I kind of expected. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go and, and meet all your appointments. So my days were pretty full. Like I was three, three days of just like up early, to bed late and then you add in the uh daylight savings time starting on sunday which also threw a huge monkey wrench in that whole thing um yeah i mean do do you want me to get in the details of like the things that i saw there i i kind of didn't didn't get out um didn't get out and see a whole lot outside of my appointments because i just like everything was kind of crammed in so like i walked around and, and and checked out some of the show floor but for the most part i only played the things i had appointments for so uh there was this the first one i had was a game from the developers of this game called soda drinker pro have you heard of that i've heard of that the the name is familiar i don't really know much Wasn't about it like though. an xbox live arcade game or something uh, it might be. Yeah, I think it is because I think it uses Connect support actually. Uh, but it, it's it's a it's a game. Uh, it's it's a real crazy game. Uh, uh, think of like Frog Fractions. You, you've heard of Frog Fractions, right? Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a game that goes places. Like it's 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 a game that like starts out one way and then just kind of really like stands on its head. So this game here that I went to go, it was from the same developers and I go in and their whole setup is like this TV and it's like a uh, like a church and so there's this uh I think his name is Bobby something or other man. I wish I had my notes. But uh he's like he's sitting here gesturing and he's talking to me and so I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like they're all like, "Oh, what's your name?" I was all told him my name and they're like, "Oh, uh come on back over here. So I go back around the corner cause they have like a, uh, a, a screen, you know, that, that, so the behind there, this guy is, you know, in a VR setup, he's wearing an, uh, a, uh, Vive, uh, VR and he's, you know, gesturing and stuff. So, you know, quickly I realized that, that he's controlling this, uh, preacher that's on stage and stuff. So this game, ostensibly the, what I've seen of it is, you know, you're, you're basically, uh, trying to build up your church, um, and it's almost like a it's weird well he said you know you could do it legit like a regular church or you could even like go kind of a route kind of like a cult sort of thing so like it's kind of your discretion how you play the game uh but it's 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 apparently has like rhythm game elements where you're like you know looking at your your congregation in the eyes to like build up their excitement and stuff like that and it's it's supposed to be really complicated but the thing that kind of gets me is one, he said that it's a prequel to Soda Drinker Pro, which I thought was really interesting. So it's in the same universe, and so 
I expect that this game will probably go places as well, uh, far beyond what I was uh, privy to uh, in my short demo there. Um, also checked out, trying to think of some of the highlights of the games. I checked out this game called Yonder, which will be out pretty soon on the PlayStation 4 and PC. It's uh, aesthetically, it's real similar to Zelda, actually, because I spent so many hours playing Zelda. Like, that was all, pretty much all I did on the flight and everything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's a big open world you're kind of exploring, but uh, there's no combat. So it's it's kind of more like a cross between uh, Zelda and, like, a uh, Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon kind of situation uh, where you're, you know, going off and kind of doing tasks and, and collecting things and harvesting things and... and and everything like that but it, it was real charming real real nice art style i liked um it was pretty cool uh that's a game that's coming out pretty soon uh there was a space wars game i hope it's called space wars it sounds like yeah i'm sorry i don't have my notes with me i took notes but uh it was it was like a turn-based uh, space combat game it's a pc uh um, game that's uh free to play it's turn-based almost like I likened it to Battletech if it was with spaceships, and the developers seemed to think that that was a very apt comparison. Um, and as somebody who grew up playing Battletech, as we have previously stated on the show, um, it was actually pretty quick and easy for me to pick up. Uh, pretty neat. It's going to be free to play. Um, uh, got a VR demo of Space Pirate Simulator which is a pretty dope game. Uh, I did really well, actually, the, the group, because we kind of went in groups. That was uh, uh, presented by Newegg, uh, the company that you know sells PC parts and stuff. That's how I actually built my PC through Newegg. Uh, but, uh, so they got us all in the room, and, and everybody got to try the Space Pirate Simulator, and I actually like destroyed everybody uh, on that because it's a wave-based thing. Uh, I don't know if you've seen footage of it, but, yeah, like you're standing there, and you've got uh, two hands available because you're using the, uh, the Vive controllers um and so you can what they recommended was that you use one hand with a shield and then the other hand with the gun and you could you know shoot the little they're like little probes that are flying around and and you can use the shield to block their projectiles and stuff but i went in there uh and i immediately put the shield back away and had i was you know dual wielding uh these automatic weapons and i'm just shooting this stuff down i ended up making it to wave 12 i think the only person who came close was somebody got to wave 10 uh, so I was pretty proud of myself for that. I really kicked some butt. Nice, it also nice. looked pretty cool doing it because I ran in there without a without a shield. Um, the only thing I I played uh, kind of uh, what would you call it um, spontaneously as I was walking through trying to find one of my appointments because I kind of made a habit of locating the booth where the appointment was going to be at like ahead of time so that I could locate it really quick uh, when I when the time came to to play the game. Um, there was a a VR game called uh, Dicks Wild Wild Dicks. God, <laughs> man, I'm sorry I didn't bring my notes with me, but like this is a weird. It was a really weird thing because it was like it's so it's a shooting gallery. It's a VR game, uh, shooting gallery, which is typical of VR games. So you see like all kinds of crazy shooting galleries with like dinosaurs and and stuff. This one here was more like a redneck theme, uh, where you're kind of uh, the the level that I played was set in like a. Uh, uh, pond or whatever and so you've got like alligators that are coming at you and like bugs uh. and stuff and and you're you got these weapons like a shotgun and stuff and you're trying to shoot them it was pretty interesting uh but yeah no that was pretty cool because um you know being on a media badge it, it's it's definitely different because the guy saw me and he's like oh hey you know come check out this game i was like well i'm on my way to an appointment and he's like well you know swing back by or get a hold of me and we'll set an appointment uh once i found the the uh 
the booth where my appointment is at. I still had like an hour. So I went back and he's like, oh yeah, here, let me get you on next. And I felt really bad because there were these kids that were all waiting in line. And uh, one kid got off of the, the VR and, and another kid was ready to grab it from him. And the guy's like, no, no, I'm going to have this guy, you know, to, to jump in real quick. And I kind of felt bad. I was like, man, I'm sorry, dudes. <laughs> I was like, I'll be quick. I promise. You know, I'm just going to try this game out real fast. Uh, it was one of those things, like kind of the keys of the kingdom, you know, like you walk up with a media badge and all of a sudden you jump lines, uh, which is. A, Don't even know who you work for. Yeah. Just, which is go ahead and jump in. A really Yoink. cool experience, but also you kind of feel like a dick, you know, it's like, man, you've been standing in line for God knows how long. And here I am just like jump right in front of you. Um, especially when I don't have an appointment. Like if I have an appointment, then I then I feel a little less bad about it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty dope. Um, I mean, I played a bunch of other stuff. There was a, a game called Distance. That's kind of it was a Kickstarter. Uh, it's coming out real soon. It's like a uh, kind of like Wipeout. If Ooh. it was a real car, and well, they, what do they call it? They call it a, a car survival game. So it's like real oh. Tron like, and you're running, you know. But but then it's it, you can basically make the car fly at any point, and you can actually like like actively like maneuver the the car around because at some point you actually have to to like jump to a different path or whatever. Um, and there's apparently a story involved, which is actually pretty intriguing. They do some really neat things with like the camera and stuff. Um, there's like obstacles like laser beams and saws where you can like actually like hit these laser beams it'll chop your car in half but your car will continue going and as long as you can keep the car in forward momentum and not crash it like after a few seconds it'll regenerate itself so it's kind of a really weird dichotomy where you run through these laser grids and it like basically chops your car down into a much smaller form uh, but as long as you have wheels and forward momentum like you can keep going and and, and it, it it goes places it's pretty dope um yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Uh, I mean, I did play a bunch of other games that I can't necessarily think off the top of my head. Nothing that stood out uh, heavily. Um, you can probably look out for my write-up that I'll have on Proven Gamer. I'll probably tweet it out and everything like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Like, PAX, uh, it, as a media badge, was definitely a different experience, but it was really cool. Um, got to meet a lot of people. I actually met a guy who is... Uh, he works for Fox News Radio, okay. <laughs> and it was really funny because huh. so I'm in the media room, so that's another perk of being at PAX on media is they have a media room where you can hang out, and they've got tables and, like, plugs and stuff, so you can just kind of hang out and chill because there's so much going on. But I'm sitting there eating lunch, and uh, this guy across the table from me, I was like, hey, he's like, what uh, you know, what outlet are you here for? I was like, oh, well, I'm here for ProvingGamer.com. I was like, I'm a podcaster, you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, cool. He's all, I'm with uh, Fox News. I know, I know, you know, the political thing, like, and it's really funny because he just went right into it. I was like, man, I was like, you got to do this quite a bit, don't you? Like when you're like, hey, I'm with Fox News and I know, I know the whole political thing and all. But, you know, he's like, well, you know, but we're also trying to expand, you know, like and and get into things like, you know, like pop culture and and, and podcasting and stuff like that. So it was really funny. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because the target demographic for Fox News is dwindling, you know, by the day. And if you want to stay relevant, you got to, you know, keep up with the times. But it was really funny. And I really felt for the guy because he's like, I feel like every time he introduced himself, he's like, oh, yeah, and I'm from Fox News. And I know, I know the whole political thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, man, that's a tough sell, dude. That's almost uh, like, it was pretty you know, cool. it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm from Fox News, though, but uh, no, 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 I'm not an asshole, no. Yeah, yeah, that's basically <laughs> what it was, yeah. It was, 
super interesting. I was like, man, I feel for you, dude, because you're in a place like this, you know, where, you know, there's a bunch of stuff and it's like you have to get past that stigma of Fox News as being, you know, all, you know, political and stuff like that. He's like, I know, I know it's all usually political and stuff, but I was like, man, you got your spiel all down and stuff, but it was pretty neat. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole experience was good. I, if you guys have any questions, I can definitely answer them, but uh, I feel like I've rambled on long enough. Oh, you're, you're right. I, I actually I looked up that uh, Dick Dick Wild game. It, it's called Dick Wild with an E on the end of Wild. Yeah. Um, I was looking at a couple screenshots here. It looks kind of cool. I like the the, the uh, artwork of it, though. So the uh, the the thing that I noticed a lot is a lot of the devs that I went to go visit were all foreigners. Uh, so really? that one they were they were like mm. British or Scottish even, uh, but. Uh, yeah, which is really ironic because their game is like totally like Southern American, like hoorah, you know, kind of aesthetic to it. Um, one of the games I did see, I got to see the, um, and at the time, uh, so uh, there was a game that was supposed to be embargoed. Um, right. That, you know, uh, so it ended up being uh, Reservoir Dogs. So oh, there's a. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was there's a guesses, top. Wasn't it? Yeah, there's a top down Reservoir Dog game uh, where you basically. It's a single-player game, but you can control up to six of the characters from the Reservoir Dogs. And how it works is uh, you pick a leader, uh, and you go through... Because it's, it's almost like if you think of like a game like Door Kickers, or uh, I'm trying to think of another game that's similar to that, where um, you basically got the map laid out in front of you, and you kind of go through and you do the things. Uh, so basically you start as a leader, and you're running through uh, like a bank heist, and you're going in, and you do your thing, and then but but at any point in time, you can stop and reverse time. So you reverse time and you switch characters, and so then that first character goes through his routine that you created. But now you've got the second character that you can go off and do other things. So you can uh, say with the first character, you got surprised by a guard, you know, that came through the door on the left. Well, with the second character, you can go up there and, and make sure you're in a position to take out that guard. Um, and you go through all of the all of the characters kind of in in rotation like that until you eventually hit a checkpoint, and then you, you know. The whole thing starts over again. Uh, it was really, really interesting. Uh, but they were from Spain. So then we got the UK, huh. we got Spain. Uh, the Yonder uh, game that I was talking about earlier, they mm-hmm. were from Australia. Uh, there was a game called Loot Rascals, which is, I think, out now on PlayStation. I actually went to the PlayStation mm-hmm. booth for that meeting uh, with the developer, and he was definitely Scottish, I believe. Uh, had a pretty heavy accent, and, and it kind of played through all the game. All the characters had that same sort of accent. Um, yeah, a lot of, like, foreign developers, and, like, almost every single one of my meetings was with a foreign developer. There was another game called, um, uh, goodness, Death Squared, which is kind of like a puzzle platformer game uh, that's also coming to PlayStation. Huh. Uh, that developer was from another country. I can't remember offhand where he was from. Uh he was having trouble. He actually asked me to explain the whole trophy thing to him because he didn't understand, like, the obsession with trophies. And, of course, since I was, mm. you know, Proven Gamer and also the, the podcast that I that do on Proven Gamers called Trophy Whores, so I had to kind of explain to him, like, the whole obsession with trophies and, and why especially platinum trophies are, are very important to people, you know, uh, on the PlayStation ecosystem because all the games that they had made before were, like, mobile games and, and some st- Steam games. Uh, so, but he was kind of perplexed because he'd gotten that question a lot of times, whether or not the game had a platinum trophy. And he's like, why, why do people care that much about this? Like, I've noticed I've gotten this question so many times. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like a badge of honor, you know, to explain to him, well, you know, with the Xbox community, you have achievements, but there's no like top level, uh, statistic that tells you how many games you've got all of the achievements in. Like you could have 5 million, you know, achievement points. (coughs) gamer score or whatever but there's no way of knowing 
how many games you have gotten 100%, whereas with the PlayStation, a platinum trophy means I went and got 100%, you know, trophies in a game. So, uh, I'm sorry, hold on. <coughs> I apologize. Um, yeah, all right. So, it's like, if I got 38 platinum trophies, that's 38 games that I've gotten all the achievements in. And he was just really perplexed by this concept. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty dope. Any other questions, oh. or you want to move on? Uh, no, I don't really have anything else to say. I, I, here, I will... Overall, do you, what do you? Uh, is this something you'd want to do again, or is this kind of like a one-time thing for you? You think? Hold on, just a sec. I'm gonna mute the mic. All right. Or coughing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. So yeah, PAX is uh, definitely cool. Uh, it's definitely something I'd like to do again. Um, a big part of the reason why I was there uh, was at networking. So I was trying to get my name out there and kind of find. Uh, connections uh i'm graduating in may which is like less than two months away so with that comes trying to find a job and i'd really like to find a job in the gaming industry um so hopefully whatever job i get will actually entail me going to a lot of other events like other paxes and you know maybe e3 and stuff like that um so it was a good experience definitely um being a part of that whole thing i liked it a lot that's cool and that's something that uh you know i've talked about previously before but like the, the ultimate goal for me one day is to go to uh pack on was it pax main or pax west i don't know what they call it now yeah, it's called pax west uh, now it used to be pax prime is it but i think uh east yeah. east has actually surpassed it in uh, uh like attendance so they yeah kind of rebranded it as pax west okay but that's like still the ultimate goal is to one day go there and then also meet gables and then do like a live podcast oh, there you awesome. go and that's like before the show's over, whenever it ends, if it ends, uh, that's the uh, that's my ultimate dream. That's your goal that for the final day. episode of the Drunk Dash Nerds podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, that's actually episode two hundred. That's the plan for two hundred. Uh, <laughs> no, um, that's like what two weeks away. <laughs> yeah, 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 two weeks away. Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna do next week's show, and then there's gonna be like a six month break until right. Pax West. <laughs> there you go. Two hundred. Yeah, well, so, I mean, you know, ideally, and I'm kind of, like, looking for jobs mainly maybe California or Seattle. Uh, so if I end up in Seattle, like, PAX West will be a super easy thing for me to, to make happen. Um, fortunately, like, a lot of video game jobs are, are in the Seattle and or, you know, California area. So uh, that'll probably be where I end up. Depending on, you know, what opportunities exist, I'll go wherever. But uh, that's kind of where I'm hoping to land. Oh, that's very cool. I hope well, it'd be cool if you got something like Giant Bomb or... Yeah. Like so, yeah, I definitely... I uh, actually went to the Giant Bomb pam- panel. Uh, actually, it was at the end of the 4 ing it panel, which Jeff Gersman was on. And I walked up and handed him my card and introduced myself and, and everything like that. And, you know, just said, you know, hi. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, be a, a fanboy or anything. But, you know, just let him know, hey, I applied for the open editor position. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. And here's my card. Nice. Oh, uh, speaking of the uh, Giant Bomb panel, then uh, you had an interesting experience that happened there. Oh. Yes, yes. Um, So, I'm sorry, my throat. Um, So, they had this whole thing where... um, uh, Did you guys actually get to watch that panel? I never did, actually. Uh, I... I, (laughs) I watched your part. Oh, okay. I kind of watched little bits and pieces of it. Did I I appear on camera there? You you see the back of your head. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, at some point... Uh, I remember during one of the podcasts, uh, Vinny was talking about uh, how 
small the the switch joy cons were compared to his hands you know he's talking there's so so I kind of foresaw it when they were talking on the panel that uh, Alex turns to Vinny's all yeah show him your hands and I was like oh this is my opportunity so I took one of the joy cons off of my uh, switch and I walked up there and I handed it to him you know I was like oh for you know comparison and then uh, so he grabs it and he kind of holds it up to his hand but then he does this whole like magic disappearing act with it uh, which is <laughs> It was really cool at the time. It was pretty funny. Uh, of course, somebody went and made an animated GIF of it, or GIF. I'm sorry, I said GIF. I that's dumb. Somebody made an animated GIF of it, um, and and of course, with an animated GIF, it runs on loop. So, like, if you watch that, like, past the first loop, you actually get to see him palm my my Switch uh, Joy-Con controller, you know, in his other hand and stuff. So the illusion gets completely broken, but it was actually pretty <laughs> impressive at the time. Uh, so yeah, I was actually like on the giant bomb panel for like a split second when i when i i handed Vinny my uh joy con and he made it disappear really funny yeah it was pretty dope i thought it was good timing and it worked out real uh luckily it wasn't my switch that jeff gerstman stuck in in his mouth uh, kickstand that was definitely something interesting and then uh Dan Reichert put three 3DS carts in his mouth because they, hmm. you know, they got on the so they got on the subject of the Switch carts tasting like garbage because uh, Jeff Gersman was actually the one who discovered that uh, that trait of them, um, so it kind of you know the conversation went to that. So then the question was like, well, I wonder if the kickstand tastes funny. So one of the guys in the front row that I actually think was uh, one of the VIPs for Giant Bomb uh, handed Jeff Gersman his Switch, and Jeff Gersman stuck the the kickstand in his mouth. Um, which was pretty interesting, and then yeah, then the the question came up whether or not the uh, the flavor thing had been in media all this time and nobody had ever actually tried it. So uh, uh, three guy or two guys brought up three three DS cartridges, and Dan oh. Record stuck those in his mouth to see if they tasted funky, which of course they didn't. Uh, and then it was funny because <laughs> then everyone's like offering up stuff. They're like, "How about a UMD?" And like, they're like you have a UMD, <laughs> and they're like, "They're like, no, no." Uh, no dead media or uh, uh, obsolete media or something like that. And then somebody's like, well, how about a Vita cartridge? And somebody's like, no, they said no obsolete media. Which I thought was really funny. Uh, yeah, it was good times. I went to, so I did go to a bunch of panels. I went to an IGN panel. I went to uh, the Kind of Funny panel. I went to the 404ing It panel, uh, which is done by Pat Bear, where they basically, he gets his panelists together and they uh, come up with a bunch of YouTube videos that like kind of make a theme and they're all really funny and a really good time. Jeff Gersman was on that panel, which is funny because he was actually the last time he's only been on that panel twice. And the last time was at PAX South, which was the panel that I attended uh, in, in San Antonio. So I got to see both uh, 404 ring at panels that Jeff Gersman was in. And I went to the Giant Bomb panel. I went to the uh, there was a panel for uh, No Clip, uh, Danny mm-hmm. O'Dwyer's new uh, company that he created once he left GameStop or GameSpot. Yeah. Damn, man, I'm just. Yeah. stumbling everywhere uh that was pretty cool because it was their six month uh anniversary of the creation of that company so we handed out balloons and uh, uh birthday hats little cone hats <laughs> which i actually ended up wearing for the whole rest of the day on the show floor which was kind of cool and everyone kept complimenting me on my hat they're like nice hat i'm like thanks <laughs> uh with no like justification for why i was wearing it but it didn't matter because i was at pax and nothing is shocking at pax uh, there was lots of cosplay. Lots of really good cosplay, actually. It was a good time, all in all. And I think we've I've dominated enough of this podcast. So <laughs> you guys go ahead okay. and take over. Oh, man. I've, no, I've right. always had like a dream just to go to a PAX and stuff like that because it's been like pretty much 10 years in the making for me. I, I'm pretty much the closest person that lives by a PAX 
But because of the timing of when the tickets go on sale, I can't readily get them. I'm not usually fast enough because they don't really. Oh yeah, they when they sell out really fast. And that's a th- well, they put them up. They put them up randomly without really telling anybody either. So it's very difficult to actually. It's like two issues. It's uh, like the ticket sales and also the transportation issues. Since I live like around, I don't know, like th- I want to say like two and a half, three hours away from Seattle and stuff, and I can't really get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. And like I said, I mean, the media badge kind of gave me a different perspective. That's something that, like, I mean, the PAX East badges probably sold out just about as fast as the as the PAX uh, West badges sell out, you know, like, within hours of going on sale. Uh, but, you know, getting an opportunity to have a media badge, you don't necessarily have to worry about that scarcity. Uh, as long as you can get approval for a media badge, then you are kind of free game. Hmm. We'll try, maybe try that one day. Yeah, I mean, it, it might not be too hard, honestly. Um, and then the nice thing is, is once you get it once, like, it's a lot easier to get it subsequently. Uh, it's, it's the same with, like, uh, E3 and stuff like that. Like, you, you, once you once you are a part of the system, like, it's a lot easier for you to get it uh, subsequent years. So once you can break into that, uh, it's, it's able to be done. Yeah. Huh. And I got a media badge solely on, on credentials of podcasting, so it's not like I you know write a lot of articles and stuff like that just just being a podcaster was enough uh really enough credentials for me to to get approved for a media badge so that's nice interesting there is hope it's like uh, tyler and i have been doing this podcast for like a couple of years and stuff pretty much so it's like maybe we should try to apply to try to get ourselves media badges (laughs) (laughs) what do we got to lose other than ourselves yeah Yeah, i mean the worst case scenario is they is they say no i mean we applied for a panel as well uh proven gamer and we got denied on that but we still got approved on media badges, so it oh. was all good. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I'll try that one of these years. But, anyways, we are running a little long, so we're going to actually go jump into, uh, I think, what we've been playing this past week now. Uh, I'm going to go first real quick, because I'm going to keep mine short. Go for it, man. Uh, I, I'm still playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm like 18, 19 hours in at this point. And I'm only like a third of the way through. I, I looked to see how many quests there were because I wanted to beat this game before Mass Effect comes out on Tuesday. And I looked to see I'm, uh, where I was. I didn't like read spoilers or anything like that. I just kind of looked and read how many there were. And there's like 20 to 25 um, main quests. And I'm on like 8. Oh no. So yeah, I put like about 20 hours in this game. And I've just been doing a bunch of side shit. I, I'm, I'm loving that. But now I'm going to just try to... I'm like my level system, like one of the like the recommended level for like, the stories I'm out the, sto- the story missions. I'm way higher than I need to be, so I'm just gonna kind of mainly focus on uh, main story missions for the time being. Um, but yeah, still enjoying that, having a lot of fun with that. Um, but I tried to play Zelda last weekend. I played that for about three hours, and I had pretty much decided that I'm not I'm not disliking the game, but trying to play Horizon and Zelda like at the same time. Uh, is damn near impossible. Uh, just with the, uh, not a big fan of the control scheme on Zelda, and also um, I, like I'm like in Horizon, like a big thing to do is like is a, is like a roll. They have like a dodge roll, mm-hmm. like the like Dark Souls and stuff. And I constantly like find myself uh, being hit in Zelda because I'm trying to do the dodge roll, and I'm like, oh, we don't have that in Zelda. Well, you can so, actually do uh, a dodge roll in that. It's something that pops up later. It kind of shows you you got to be like. Z triggered on people, and you can kind of like uh, do a back shuffle, or you can do a side dodge. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's okay. a mechanic, but it's probably definitely not the same as it is on Horizon. So jumping back and forth between them would not be an easy task. Yeah, like well, it's like on in Horizon, it's like just hit the circle button and you dodge. And this one, it's like I'm hitting the A button, and I'm like that's not dodging at all. Yeah, no, um, definitely not. So 
trying to learn to trying to learn and remember uh, two fighting systems is not going well. So I'm going to put Zelda off to the side for a little while longer than I was hoping than I, I wanted to. Um, but I just like I have I am buried in like games to play right now. First world problems. Um, so and I'm going to be I got Danganronpa still sitting in the plastic here. Uh, it's just going to get Danganronpa. worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got two copies of Danganronpa sitting in plastic here. Um, so. Yeah, and then Mass Effect. So it's going to be a bit before I probably get to Zelda. I think that's going to be a good, um, like, April, late April, May game for me. Uh, but you, I, you, half this podcast is playing that game right now, so I don't really, you know, it don't really need me to be talking about it um, <laughs> much more than that. But that's pretty much what's going on with me. Nothing really new to update. Still enjoying Horizon. And I'll be, you know, Zelda, I'll get to it eventually. I'm enjoying what I played, but just can't do it right now. But, uh,. We're gonna go to Gables real quick. What have you been? Uh, what have you been playing, buddy? Well, on the gaming front, there's not too much left to update from last week. I've been playing a little bit of like uh, Mega Man Three, which is on the Legacy Collection on the PS4. I have previously beaten the first two Mega Man games. Mega Man Three is completely new to me, so I've been trying to delve into and uh, see what Robo Master and stuff like that, what weapons are susceptible to the other, and. It's kind of interesting going through certain stages because you can't really go through Mega Man Three with the concept of doing it just blaster only. For some pe- for some of the bosses, I kind of learned that the hard way was try to fight like uh, Hard Man or something like that without having any other power ups. So basically, what I've done is I've currently have gotten through all the Robot Masters. Um, there's a lot of catchy music inside Mega Man 3 from oh, what was it Needle Man stage to Gemini Man and stuff those are some really catchy tunes in terms of like NES chip music it also makes me realize like how awesome the NES was just to try to for the developers to go forth and squeeze like so much quality like chip tune things out of that uh, small like like synthesizer thing that the NES had <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a testament that people are still using that as a musical tool, you know, oh, yeah. all these years. Like, they're just using the actual NES, you know, chipset to, to create music. So, yeah, it's definitely a testament to, to the abilities of that. I believe one of the better games that used that to its utmost ability is Castlevania Three. I mean, man, that, you can almost get like a symphonic sort of like sound, like music out, just coming out from the, all the synthesized stuff and like Castlevania Three and stuff. But uh, for... Mega Man 3, I think some of the hardest experiences I've actually gone through the game so far is going through, I believe it was, oh boy, it was definitely like uh, Magnet Man stage for a little bit because I kept on trying to do a little bit of the navigating the platforms. You know in certain Mega Man games where they're disappearing platforms and stuff, you gotta wait for timing and stuff? But inside this particular stage, there's certain variations of that where it implements like magnetism where you have these little elect- like these electronic generators that just pull Mega Man off the platforms and stuff if you get too close to them. So you have to go at it at like a specific angle. <laughs> but uh, currently, it I've gotten all the Robot Masters beaten, and there's a little twist to it. Once you defeat all the Robot Masters inside that, it doesn't immediately go to like a Wily stage effect like it would for the first two. Instead, you have these four mystery like robots. But the catch is. Inside each of these robots is a particular former robot master that you've beaten in the previous two Mega Man games. So my process now is to try to go through and beat those particular robot masters before going off to face Wily. So it's going to be an interesting change of pace, and I'm really liking Mega Man 3 so far. 
You know, it's definitely better than the original, which, honestly, that's the first Mega Man game I've ever beaten. The original. It's It was definitely hard. It took me some bit of time, but I beat that pretty... I beat that now pretty regularly. <laughs> that in the second game, so... So, uh, this whole, like, a robot master within a robot, does that turn it into, like, a double boss battle, where you have to fight the robot form before you can fight the robot master form? Oh, well, let's see. For what I was... Well... <laughs> when it comes to uh, that Robot Master Hello. stuff. Oh, I'm there. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What about Troy? I'm not sure. Troy? Yeah. I'm here. Okay. Oh, that was weird. All right. Did you did did you get the my whole question or? Yeah, I got your whole question, Troy. But okay. let's see the whole Robot Master within a Robot Master. It's kind of uh, it's. What I'm basically trying to say is, it's sort of like Wiley made these four robots that are basically sort of copycat robots, where they copy a specific ability from a past robot master. Mm-hmm. And so, each of them have like a specific robot master like function. Like the one I was playing against the other night had Airman's ability from Mega Man 2. Mm-hmm. So you see the silhouette of the sprite of uh, Airman coming down into the the robot and stuff like that, and he shoots all these tornadoes at you, and you have to evade the same type of patterns. <laughs> okay, so but it's, so it's not like a double boss fight where you do one no. one boss. Okay, cool. No, I'm just curious. That's just how it kind of sounded, and I haven't personally played it, so I wasn't familiar with it. But so it's basically the the new bosses kind of take on the the traits of bosses that you might be familiar with from yes. previous. I cool, think cool. I think it's a cool callback, a good Easter egg from the past couple games. So it's like, eh. yeah, no doubt. That's pretty much what I've been playing in a nutshell. <laughs> Very cool, man. What about you, Troy? I'm sure you've had a decent amount of time to uh, play the Switch since you've been traveling. Yeah, so Zelda is pretty much the only thing I've played, and I actually haven't played uh, at all since I got back from PAX. But I mean, I we're talking, you know, long plane flights five six seven hours uh in the air and at the airport so uh i definitely had a lot of time to play uh zelda so i probably i want to say maybe about 15 to 20 hours into the game without having you know hard data on it and i haven't actually accomplished much at all in the game (laughs) um i think i just now did the first major uh main quest point uh beyond uh the the initial opening area where you have to go and and uh get everything you need to to be able to leave that uh, great plateau um so yeah like i've only done the first main quest thing but i've been caught up doing you know side quests and kind of just exploring uh it's 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 a really like crazy game like there's a lot going on a lot to do a lot to see uh you're finding stuff like constantly like stuff that like seems real innocuous uh at first glance like ends up being you know something crazy like they have the the Koro seeds. Um, um, the the oh, opportunities yeah. to find those kind of just pop up randomly. It's like I think one of the first ones is like I was up on top of this hill and there was these ruins and it's like, well, here's a, a I can't even remember what it was. I think it was a like pots or something. I picked up a pot and this dude pops up. He's like, hey, you found me here. Here's a Kokoro seed, uh, which was kind of interesting. And then I was on my way down the hill and I was uh, looking into the water because the river's right there and there's like this circle of rocks that are like sitting in the river. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. Like it, it was just like these like four or five rocks, maybe more like five or six rocks that are in a circular pattern just, just off the the, uh, the coast in the river there off the, the banks. Um, and then there were rocks, you know, sitting on the, the edge of the, uh, the bank. And I was like, well, hmm, this 
you know, can't be a coincidence. So I grabbed one of the rocks and I threw it over and sure enough, you know, landed in the middle of this little circle of rocks. And, and that was something that triggered another Kokoro seed dude. And I was like, well, that's, and it's super charming and, and really like, it made me giggle every time that would happen, which was actually really cool. Uh, maybe didn't come across great, uh, to the people around me in the airplane when I'm giggling to myself, but uh, it worked out well <laughs> enough. Uh, actually, the couple on one of my flights that was sitting next to me was like super enthralled with the Switch. They said they got to try it out, and they were asking me a bunch of questions about it. Um, the TSA agents at the uh, El Paso airport were super enthralled with the Switch. They were asking me a bunch <laughs> of stuff about it when they were searching my bags and stuff. Uh, the ones in Newark didn't seem to care at all, but of course they were. there was a lot more people at the Newark airport than there were at the El Paso airport. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it's, it's good times. Uh, didn't really get a much time. I think I did uh, whip out the switch, uh, in class on Wednesday, uh, because I'm sitting in class and one of my classmates is there asking me, he's like, so how do you like that switch? I was like, Oh, it's really good. And I actually had it in my bag. So I pulled it out and I was like, here it is, you know, and kind of fiddled around with Zelda for a little bit. He's like, Oh, that's really cool. And then I, you know, I showed him how you pull the, the joy cons off and you put the kickstand on and you can play it with it on the table. And he's like, Oh, that's really neat. He's all do the, do the controllers vibrate. And I was like, Oh yeah, check this out. Like I, I know I, you know, had posted in, in the group that I said hold my beer, but I didn't actually say that. Yeah, but it was just a really good situation. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then I fired up one two switch and I, uh, I fired up the uh, the ball counting mini game on that, and I was like, here, check this out. And he tried it out, and he's like, oh my god, that's amazing. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, like just like do the do the controllers vibrate? Like yeah, like yeah, they vibrate, and probably they'll vibrate like any other controller that you've ever had for most games but there's a situation where this this thing has hd rumble which is a real thing and the best way i can demonstrate it to you is through this mini game and he was super impressed um but yeah i mean that's pretty much it been it for me zelda i I have not played in a couple days um hopefully i'll get some time this week to play some uh some games in general just because it's spring break i mean i still got a lot to do but you know i do have a little extra free time so we'll see how it works out probably more to report next week uh, but Zelda is a great game, amazing. Uh, like I said, twenty hours in, and I probably only scratched the surface. I think I've just been introduced to the concept of the dungeons, um, but I am nowhere near even approaching my first dungeon. So there's still a ways to go in that game. Nice. Yeah, I I, I did find that um, one party time with the rocks. That's like that's literally I got to the second tower there, and that's as far as I've gotten. So I did like six shrines. Uh, so I, that's you, you probably have a good idea where I'm at then. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, it's so not very far, obviously. Um, but anyways, speaking of actually, you know, we're gonna uh, gonna kind of go on into the news, but it's been some uh, kind of I guess news with the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo has announced they're gonna double production um, for it, and so try to make it a little more uh, easier to find. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, with the new console coming out, um, it's been hard to find people like Gables here trying to get one. Uh, a lot of other people too. Poor, um, poor Gables. Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor guy. We got, we got to get him a switch. I keep, I, I, I found one online. I, I had it in, in my shopping cart, Gables, and I was gonna buy it and have it shipped to your house. And like, I went to go, like, I got to the part where you put your information in, and then when I went to go buy it, it was uh, wouldn't let me buy it. So uh, I was minutes away from having one for you. But um, anyway, so Nintendo initially wanted to sell about five million in the first year from basically from. March to March of this year to uh, the end of March next year, their their goal was five million. They've actually doubled that. Um, they planned on I think shipping eight million in the in that first year, but they have now doubled that. Where they hope to sell the goal is to sell ten million, and they they plan to ship about sixteen million. Which um, obviously that's that's good news if you're doubling your goal 
three weeks into your con- not even three weeks into your console being out. Um, but uh, you know, I'm ha- I'm happy that, that that they're they're increasing production. But part of me wonders if this is like all publicity stunt. Like they they I'm sure they had a decent idea what the what the numbers are going to be, especially after January with the reveal. Um, and I'm wondering if this is just like, oh, it's selling way more than we thought. It's way better than we thought. Like, they're going, like, you know, shoot for under, like, go below what you think it's actually going to be. You know, better to, you know, better to exceed expectations than not. Um, especially with the Wii U, I can understand why they did that. But um, if truly is the case, that's way more than they thought it would be. I'm, I'm happy. That, I mean, obviously, we want Nintendo to be do well. Um, and I hope, hope it's a lot easier to find. I'm glad it's, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a Wii uh, case where that legitimately was a surprise, I think, to everybody how popular that thing was. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm happy that this sounds like this thing will be a lot easier to find, especially as we get into the fall. Um, more people will have it out there that really want it. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, you know your whole thing about whether or not they actually knew that this was going to be the issue or not. I think it's probably a little of both. I think they definitely you know want to underproduce just to make sure that there's no surprises. Um, you know, maybe they had expectations or, or an estimate, and then they felt that you know that their original estimate was probably conservative but realistic. Um, and then you know maybe the demand actually ended up being way more than they anticipated, which has caused them to double production, which is good as long as they can sell through them. Um, it, mm-hmm. You know, but I mean they wouldn't choose to double production unless they were fairly certain that they were going to be able to sell through those in a, in a fairly decent amount of time. So yeah, it's definitely a good sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially with it, uh, th- this is like the, you're, they're, this is pretty much the hottest time it's ever going to be for owning a Switch is when it first comes out. So, and then probably again when Mario comes out. So now would be the perfect time to have more of them out there, and especially uh, have a bunch out there in the wild for the Christmas season and Mario. So, uh, what about you, Gables? Are you excited? You have a better chance now of getting a Switch. Gables is not here. He must have walked away. That's some bitch. <laughs> Damn you, Gables. Right. Well, you know what? We're not waiting for him. We're going to move on. Fuck it. Um, next up, um, so we talked about last week with uh, the Xbox Gaming Game Game Pass, uh, having Xbox One, Xbox 360 games on it for 10 bucks a month. Uh, Sony has countered that with uh, PS4, um, with PS4 games going to be available later on sometime this year um, under the PlayStation Now subscription. Uh, I think that's like is that twenty bucks a month for that? I was not certain offhand. Uh, I think it's like give me just twenty dollars a month, or you can get like three months for like forty bucks. I think there's like a discount if you buy it like in a like bunch at a time. Oh yeah, this, probably should look this up. This for doesn't me. actually show. I was clicked on the link that no. you had in the thing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't act, uh, price it. Here we go. I'm looking it up. That's what editing's for. Uh, yeah. Um, so you can get it for hundred dollars a year, or twenty dollars a month, or forty five dollars for three months. So holy shit, that's expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I think it's the smart thing to do, and it's really something probably that should have been there in the beginning. Um, but especially with Xbox, like I, I think the Game Pass like totally one up them, and I still think it's probably the better of the two services. Obviously, it's cheaper in price. Um, but I yeah I. I the, I think it might be a case where it's like, hey, it's cool right now, but it's maybe too little too late to um, to have this in there. What about you? So the cool thing about this is that so this basically makes it so that you can play PlayStation 4 games on the PC. Uh, Holy shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah. 
So, like, you know, if you wanted to play Uncharted or The Last of Us or any of these games on uh, on your PC, now is an opportunity. So, you know, uh, I think this is more of a counter, uh, practically more of a counter to uh, Xbox's Play Anywhere campaign that they have where uh, you buy a game and you get both the Xbox and the PC copy of it. Uh, this basically almost practically makes a lot of that, you know, the case for, for the PlayStation games uh, where you, mm-hmm. you were able to play... PlayStation 4 games on your PC. Um, I mean, this is this is also different in that it's a streaming service, you know, versus the the Xbox Pass where you actually download the games um, and play them on rotation. Uh, this probably also will have PS4 games on rotation. Like, you won't have, like, the entire, you know, catalog and they'll rotate games in and out. Um, yeah, I mean, all this is crazy because, like, the whole time... It, and, and we had this discussion, right, uh, about the Sega channel. Uh, I think it was my first episode when we actually yeah. talked about it. So this is all like that coming full circle, basically. Um, all these these uh, console manufacturers like making these subscription services that give you access to a rotating list of games. Uh, it's all kind of real interesting. But um, yeah, that's the thing that that my big takeaway from this is is that now like this basically opens up the opportunity to play Sony exclusive games on the PC, um, which actually probably gets me closer to a console less future. Um, already, I leaning away from having another xbox because most of the the main xbox games i can play on pc and i've got a pretty good pc so if i was able to uh forego having a playstation plus subscription and you know buying a new playstation console and instead just pay whatever the the playstation now subscription is and be able to play all the playstation games on my pc uh that almost makes that a super awesome proposition in my opinion yeah, that's uh, it's. I didn't think about that. It definitely does. The landscape of uh, gaming, as we know it, is going to be an interesting. I mean, I, I wonder. I mean, obviously, like, I doubt like a game like um, Horizon is going to be on there anytime soon. But I mean, if you are patient enough to wait a year to play it, you can probably just play it on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be in their best interest to delay. You know, like a brand new game, especially a big game like Horizon. You know, keep it from going on there um, too quickly, but. I mean, yeah, it just seems like that would be a very good opportunity. And and who knows, like, if, if it comes to the point where there's a high demand there, then they may end up, you know, pushing them out pretty close to day and date. Um, if it turns out that, you know, it can be just as profitable for them to have those games on that service as quickly as possible. Um, you know, I don't know how the, the, the profit of this versus, you know, selling physical copies of games or, you know, doing so concurrently or if there will be any... Uh, cannibalism of sales, you know. Um, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people on PlayStation wouldn't be willing to forego, well, I don't know, that'd be a tough one, like, forego buying a copy of the game, you know, versus just uh, playing it, you know, through the PlayStation Now service. Uh, yeah, you'd probably see a delay, for sure, at least a six or seven month delay, I bet, uh, before like, yeah. a new game would hit. You know, it may be, yeah, even a, up to a year, you know, for some games, uh, just to try and maximize the, the actual sales of the copies versus the streaming because i mean then they've got to give you know money to the developer and stuff like that and then they'd have to kind of compensate for lost revenue that way uh which would probably be pretty expensive for sony to do uh for especially for games that aren't first party yeah no it's i the reason i don't know the only thing that would scare me off from right now looking at it obviously things can change over the next towards the end of this console generation but it's just the whole streaming part of it like i understand internet's getting a lot better than you know and it's gonna be a lot better um three four years from now than it is right now but i i that's why i like the i like the idea of the xbox game pass 
where I don't think there's going to be as many games that I want to play. Yeah. Because there's not as many exclusive games on the Xbox but One. But the ability to have the um, game saved onto your, your system rather than streaming over the internet. Yeah, which... You know, if you, I could play. Imagine I, could, I might be able to play that game offline. Maybe I'm wondering. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not with Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, you, I, I bet you. But I bet you would. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's saved locally. There may just be like a uh, a thing where it has to check back in with the server uh, at, after a certain amount of time just to verify that that's e- even still available on on the service because you know games will be rotated out on a on a regular basis. But they'll probably kind of have an idea of when that game's supposed to fall off, and maybe it'll you know check back with the server you know periodically to make sure that that's still but i would imagine you'd you'd be able to like if like for instance if your internet just you know crapped out on you like you'd probably i would imagine hopefully still be able to play those games um yeah who knows but yeah no i definitely get you on the on the streaming part uh you know my internet here is not great and i don't imagine that a service like this would be uh, would work very well in, with the internet that I've got currently, so uh, that's not something that I would be doing now. But maybe you know, once I get to a place that has decent internet, that might be a, a feasible option. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. Like I said earlier, it's good. the this is much bigger than I actually uh, initially thought of it as. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the next few years is going to be interesting as far as gaming goes. We might have all our games in one place, and might, that place might be our computer. Yeah. Um. Outside of Nintendo. Um, Gables, are you back? Well, you know, thinking about the whole streaming thing from, like, uh, the whole the PS4 games and stuff like that for uh, streaming purposes, yeah, you know, it's a good it's a good option or something for the people who want it, though. Personally, I don't really feel like uh, I would make much use of it. Kind of like the same situation with Troy and stuff. My current internet thing is not great. I don't like the idea of streaming my games because there's always the chance of me not getting the best type of frame rate or like type of graphical fidelity that I may want in terms of maybe having the game downloaded that's digital or possibly physical disc or something like that. So it's like, nah, it really doesn't affect me too much at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. Uh, has everybody got a chance, chance to uh, check out the Sonic Force gameplay reveal? I did see that. So I'm ca- I'm kind of curious here. Are, are we hopeful <laughs> that we might get a good um, Sonic game in 2017? Uh, so I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. I I don't know who the target market for this game is. Like like so, <laughs> what is this game? Like you're basically I mean it's 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 like the 3D Sonic games of yore, right? Where you're basically mm-hmm. like you're running full speed. It's almost like an endless runner in some fashion, like, sort of, right? Because you're, like, just running as fast as you can, kind of dodging obstacles, you know, jumping when it's appropriate. And I don't know. It it doesn't appeal to me at all. Like, I was thinking when I was watching this, uh, first of all, it was kind of, like, real dark compared to what I'm used to for Sonic. I think it's, like, it looks like he's in the middle of a war zone or something. Or, I don't know, some, some crazy yeah, calamities not- going on around him. Explosions, just being blown up. Yeah, but uh, but just mechanically, like it doesn't look. It looks real shallow. Like there's not a lot of mechanics in play there. And I mean, there's only so much you can do with the whole speed thing. You know, like you're running down a tunnel. I mean, it's almost, I guess, similar to like Wipeout or something at that point, where it's like you're just kind of trying to memorize a track and you know avoid obstacles. And it just, yeah, 
it's it it yeah no yeah i i i was i was hopeful with this one i and i'll admit like growing up i i had a sega genesis i played a lot of sonic but i was never really a big sonic fan uh i played a, i played a handful of them since uh you know since the genesis era has kind of ended with like sonic adventures 2 secret of the rings or i think is what it was on wii uh i play even played that crappy one for the wii u uh, just because I was curious how bad it really was, and it's really bad, um, and a few other things as well. But I just it, they every it seems like like they know the Sonic games haven't been very good, and it just seems like every few years or so, be like, this is the finally we figured out Sonic, or like we're changing, we're gonna do it's like it's like uh, a bad relationship where it's like I promise I'll change kind of thing, and it's like okay, like imagine like Sonic fans are like. Okay, okay, I'll take you back. And then it's just like they don't like they don't change at all, or the, the things they do change, the things you don't want them to change. Uh, and I just sit there and watch them. Like this looks like the same goddamn game they've been making since Adventures Two on the Dreamcast. It's like, and I, I understand that game has its fans, but you look at every other Sonic game that's been made since then, it, they've all been garbage, and everybody hates them, and they keep making those games. I'll admit that I think the the the, the town, all the other things going on around it look really cool, but just watching the gameplay itself, I'm like, this looks terrible. This looks like Sonic 06. This looks like um, that, what's that one with the medieval one that came on the Wii that was terrible? Black Knight. Uh, Black Knight, yeah. It's just I don't understand like, what the hell Sega's doing. Like, I understand it's Sonic, it's gonna sell some copies, but I just don't, like, I feel bad for the fans of Sonic because and if you like him, I guess I'm happy for you. But I it just you hear every time a song game comes out, and it's like everybody hates it. It's like I don't understand how they keep doing this to their fans and to themselves. Like I imagine they're just gonna be miserable making that game. What about you, Gables? Well, to answer your question, Tyler, I believe the best Sonic game in 2017 will probably be Sonic Mania, even though it's delayed mm-hmm. to the summer. But at the same point, Sonic Forces, the from what little I've actually seen in the gameplay trailer, it does give me the sort of vibe that I probably am not going to even bother playing the game. <laughs> Especially since it does give me some bad little flashbacks or something to uh, maybe Sonic 06, maybe some of the bits of the other 3D Sonic games that have been there in the past and stuff. I mean, I've tried to play certain 3D Sonic games. I did play... The GameCube port of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle and stuff for a time. I tried playing bits of that, but <laughs> it's just it's just like it's a an acquired taste for some people. Some people really really love to play those type of three D Sonic games from like Sonic Unleashed to the Secret Rings. Obviously, it's a mixed bag. I got Sonic Lost World. I've played some of that for the Wii U, and it's not that bad. Sonic Colors. Yeah, Sonic College is pretty decent, I think. But, uh... When it comes to this game and stuff, it's kind of like the same old Sonic cycle, where it's like, hey, we'll promise a new thing. It's like, oh, hey, maybe this game is not so good, or something. Game comes out, gets middling reviews. Oh, hey, yeah, this is, uh... This is a game. Or, here's a popular thing for Sonic fans. Say they clearly like a game or something like that, then all of a sudden they just nonchalantly hate it for no apparent... <laughs> not, like, no apparent reason, but... Suddenly, they pick a random Sonic game from the past and just start hating heavily on it and saying that's probably one of the worst games. And then, you know, having the new one be like, uh, okay, let's go ahead and just call that one of the better games that's come out for the Sonic series. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the Sonic fan base in general, 
to be perfectly honest, it's a mixed bag. I mean, there's some honest, good, diehard fans, and then there are the extremists that just really hate almost upon every single thing. <laughs> like, not every single thing, but, like, they really love the 3D ones, they don't really care about the 2D ones, and it's just a really weird fan base, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's going to be no different when Sonic Forces comes out, and probably... I'm thinking may receive middling reviews at best if it's that weird of a game. Because yeah. it's sort of been a track record now for the past 10, 15 years with Sonic games. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 would, I think if this game, Metacritic uh, reviews is, is higher than a 75, I think they'll be happy yeah. with that. I, I'm just looking at this 45 seconds of gameplay. Uh, but at that 45 seconds is enough for me to like, yeah, they ain't doing shit about, they ain't changing anything. And I really, I honestly, I have my doubts that Sonic Mania will be any good. That's the one they're kind of making it. It's going back to its roots. But I remember like they did the same thing like six years ago with Sonic the Hedgehog 4, and that game was terrible. Like if you can't make the thing that made you popular uh, good, uh, I don't know what you can do at this and point. And then after so, that point, they uh, made a game like Sonic Generations, where that was actually pretty decent, from what I've understood. Yeah, I, the, the, yeah. Color, I heard Colors and Generations were pretty good. Um, not great, but good. Um, but I mean, the, how many Sonic games they released over the last twenty years uh, since really Sonic the Hedgehog three, and how many of them you heard that are actually playable? And that's the thing on top of it. Like these games are bad, and a lot, and a lot of times these games are also really badly broken too. Um, I mean, Sonic so... Sonic as a character and, a, and an IP has a lot of potential. Um, it definitely, mm-hmm. in its day, uh, was, you know, huge. I mean, it, they took on Nintendo and Mario, and they succeeded. Um, you know, they were able to kind of portray a sense of speed and, 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 and color that, that wasn't... Uh, is a pretty stark, stark contrast to Mario and Nintendo. Um, kind of an edginess, you know, that 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 kind of flew in the face of of Nintendo's kind of you know squeaky clean you know reputation and and, and image, um, and and that did well in the 16-bit era. And and I think those those 2D side-scrolling Sonic games, you know, they displayed speed and, and everything like that in a really good way. And and that was kind of good uh, for them. But the problem is, is it does, I don't think Sonic translates very well to 3D because then you end up almost like on rails, you know, and you're just kind of like dodging things mm-hmm. here, there. Uh, Sonic's kind of a one trick pony. Speed is what he's got, you know. Um, so if you're if you don't have a whole lot of options to, to mess around with that, you know, Mario, yeah, he's maybe slower or whatever, but he's got so many other options. I mean, you can strap a, a water cannon on his back and suddenly you've got a completely new mechanic, you know. A bunch of different things like that, you know, like uh, Sonic just does hasn't aged well. Um, he's 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 kind of a one trick pony, and that one trick has kind of gotten stale. Um, even the side scrolling ones, you know, it's like you're just kind of rehashing, you know, old things, old concepts, and 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 that's tough. You know, I think I think the IP and and the character still have a lot of clout, but I think they're probably more suited to a cartoon. You know, and, I, and I've heard the Sonic Boom cartoons actually really uh, popular and not bad. Um, but maybe Sonic just isn't cut out for video games anymore. Yeah, and that I mean, uh, I agree with you for the most part, and you took a lot of the words out of, the, out of my mouth that I wanted to say about it. But with being the one trick pony, but you look at like who would have thought you know, thirty years ago playing Mario Super Mario uh, Brothers that eventually you'd be playing a game like Galaxy or Sunshine or anything like that. Um, so I, you know, I, I think part of it it's works out in the end that Mario didn't really have there wasn't really a trick to it there wasn't really uh, anything they didn't, they didn't have it there was no gimmick yeah. to Mario 
Um, and I guess maybe not stra strapping that uh, gimmick to it is what allows you to do a lot of creative things. And maybe that's why you're kind of, we're kind of stuck in the situation where I was Sonic. Um, but it might just be one of the, yeah, like you said, it might be a game of its era. Uh, and that era, unfortunately, it did 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but let's let's move on to, I think, uh, what it will be our last topic. Um, talked about it uh, a week or two ago about Outlast 2 being... Uh, or Outlast being one of our favorite games probably over the course of this show's uh, lifetime. Um, but Outlast 2 has been banned. Uh, it's coming out next month, I should say. Uh, it has been banned in Australia. Uh, there are minor spoilers for the game, uh, I guess. I, I read about what why it got banned. Uh, and not to go too deep into it, there is a scene uh, where a rape happens. Um, so that was enough for it to be uh, banned, banned from the entire uh, country. Um, I don't, I don't really know how we want to jump into this whole thing. I mean, I, I'm just, I think I'm, to me, in 2017, the fact that we're um, still completely banning uh, games. Like, I understand, like, games in, like, Germany, like, being banned or, like, big changes made to it when they have, like, uh, the swastika and stuff into it. Like, I get that, that part of it. That's a thing you don't really want to deal with and you want to kind of separate yourself from quite a bit. But I just I think it's weird in the in this era with digital games and downloading games, it's not that hard to get these games nowadays. So why um, go through the trouble of banning games and doing the things they're doing uh, at this point? That's kind of the way. I mean, Australia is has been this way for quite some time. I mean, they definitely have a a history of banning and or requiring heavy modifications to games. Um, yeah. I mean, Saints Row had the dildo bat uh, that they determined had far too many veins on it, so it had to be turned into something, you know, flat and uh, not nearly as detailed uh, in the Australian version of the game. Um, plenty of other games that have been, you know, kind of... Uh, controversial, you know, games like a like a GTA. I don't know if GTA has ever actually flat up been banned, but um, you know, definitely he heavy restrictions on content, like having to be pretty heavily edited to be released in Australia. Um, it wasn't until recently that they even had this uh, R eighteen uh, uh, rating uh, that That's was available. Right. So yeah. any game that would have normally gotten this R eighteen rating uh, was just flat out not allowed to be sold in in Australia. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of par for the course for Australia, and, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, sexual assault is, is beyond the scope of their R18 rating, you know, um, yeah. I, I, I find it hard to, you know, fault them, I mean, it sucks, you know, I mean, if you're in Australia and you have any, you know, want to play these games, I mean, one, like, games are, like, heck, extra expensive in Australia, like, it costs way, mo oh, way yeah. more than it does here to, to even purchase a game. Uh, even if it is available, yeah. you know, in Australia, uh, and then you know you have to deal with the with the government, you know, deciding that this game isn't isn't worth selling, and I mean that that sucks. It does, but I mean I I'm I'm kind of kind of in two two departments on this. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, maybe the government shouldn't you know necessarily uh, dictate, and you know maybe the rating should you know reflect the the the. Uh, the content of the game uh like it would here you know but um i mean sexual assault's kind of a rough thing to handle you know for certain people yeah <laughs> yeah it's just uh, i don't know i i it got, maybe it's just because we're like the united states we are pretty much like there's so much shit like thrown at us we can easily find anything we want or buy anything we want around here 
no matter like what your age is really you know like I, I can go at 12 I remember buying Grand Theft Auto 3 um, for the Xbox and nobody even like questioned that you know I, I don't know maybe it's just kind of we're in a um, different area you know way different area than Australia so just kind of looking at that looking at their customs and that it's like that's just really weird to us but I don't know I just I, I'm just kind of surprised that they're they're still um, kind of strict about it. and then obviously they leaned back a little bit with the whole R18 thing and they actually have uh, they have like six different groups for like uh, um, sexual um, like sex th- thing, things with sex uh, violence drug use they have like a one through five rating on everything yeah, yeah. So, like, on top of having the R18 also has, like, a 1 through 5 kind of scale on how um, crazy they might be. Like, Saints Row 3 was actually, um, I was reading, in the article they talked about, like, uh, was banned originally because they used, uh, like, drugs was used as kind of, like, a, a, a boost sort of thing. Uh, like, oh, like, Stick of Truth, actually, they had, like, seven different cutscenes or parts of cutscenes that were, had to be completely taken out of the game. Yep. Um, because they were, they were too violent um, or the, the themes of it was uh, too much for their ratings. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's just, it's it's a tough one to kind of talk about just because I think it's, you know, it's, 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 I understand they have different rules and laws and customs than we do, but it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like, I, I guess at this, at that, on that same point though, it's, it's not, it should be as, probably not as big as a deal there, there with, with the internet being the way it is. I don't know how good the internet in Australia is, but I imagine if you live in a bigger area there, um, you could probably fairly easily still get this game. Yeah, or at least um, get the the gist of what it is. Like, you may not be actually be able to download the game. I mean, for PC, I guess, yeah. Uh, consoles, I imagine it's a lot more difficult. Eh, yeah. I mean, you may be able to import games. I'm sure they don't, like, you know, search as it's coming through, you know, across the border or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Like, like I said, I mean, it's especially being in America, you know, it amounts to quote unquote censorship, you know, it, it definitely is censorship, you know, if the government's deciding that this can't be, you know, sold or, or distributed in the country. Um, but I mean, I, I, I get the feeling when a lot of this stuff, when this stuff comes up like this and, and even the German thing, like, I feel like it, a bigger deal is made of it in places like America than it is actually made in the country where it actually happens. That's probably, like they, that's true. they're not, not not nearly as affected by it as we feel like they feel like they or that we feel they should feel like they are. You know what I mean? Like for them, it's like yeah. yeah, this is par for the course. This is how things are done. This is this is how it's always been done. You know, we deal with it. And whereas in America, c- coming from the way we're used to th- things being here, like we we're outraged for them. Basically, is what it kind of almost yeah. amounts to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, in this particular instance, you know, it's hard to, you know, come out and, and push against it, you know, especially being, you know, sexual assault is something that's like, that's a, that's a tough subject to, you know, to come out. Like if you're like, uh, if there's any instance of like, like I am against this concept of, you know, I mean, the censorship is one thing. Yeah. You know, but it's like, it's like, how dare you ban this game because of rape? And it's like, well, yeah, rape's really bad. So you almost, you almost come across as pro rape in some weird way. So it it feels kind of creepy either way. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very touchy subject all in all. And I mean, the kind of the, we were saying earlier, I know a lot of people like reading, uh, reading reports and like kind of reading about Australia um, and how other places work with like the, their video games. A lot of people would actually, before the age of the internet and digital games, they would actually get um, import them from New Zealand. There you go. Um, 
and pay it's like a game there is like a hundred dollars American. Yeah. Um, and that's normal price crazy. if you went into like yeah. EB Games to buy a game. Yeah. So paying an import price and everything from New Zealand. If you if you want to be a gamer in Australia, you got to be very dedicated. And then also, I guess, I mean, if you had a PS4 and you wanted to buy this game, you could probably just make it an American account or something. Or yeah. An account where yeah. There's probably there ways to work around that. I don't know how the internet works though. They may be able to like block IP stuff. But I mean, if things work the way they do here in America, where you can easily set up a Japanese account and order Japanese games, sort of thing, then yeah, you know. But the internet in different countries kind of doesn't always work exactly the way it does here in America. Um, so you know, sure. there there may be some governmental restrictions on that sort of thing. But I mean, yeah, ostensibly, like if you absolutely want the game, you should be able to, to you know, get your hands on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it, it like it like I said, it's probably less of a deal to them than what we kind of feel like it should be, just because we're not used to these that's sort true. of government restrictions on things. Yeah, I, that's true. And yeah, I'm like I'm not really mad about it. I'm just kind of like still perplexed. Yeah, it's at, it's kind of a big deal thing. when stuff like this happens, you know. And I mean, it doesn't. It kind of hits the news way more rarely. Like I said, especially since they have this new R18 rating, where it's like, well, it's not nearly as prevalent as it used to be. Where you know, back in the day, like a lot of games were either forced to be heavily censored or just not released at all. Um, so I mean, yeah. it's gotten better for them, I guess, relatively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, uh, what about you, Gables? You got anything you want on this one? I'm not a fan of censorship, really. I mean, I don't like the idea of, like, a artist's work or something like that being, like, uh, heavily censored because of certain reasons or another. I mean, there are particular topics and issues and stuff that I feel that are very sensitive. And perhaps judging upon maybe what uh, the content inside Outlast 2 to prohibit these bands in Australia and stuff, it's more or less, like, it's... We pretty much wouldn't know unless we actually played the game ourselves and stuff and see what context it was. From what I've come to understand, it's like uh, insinuating like uh, rape against a male character, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest and stuff like that, that's, that's just something that's normally a part of like some media stuff. I don't like it, to be perfectly honest, but... That's just the thing, though. There are just some media stuff where there are some that, you know, when it's not... uh, trying to form the words here. (laughs) My mind's kind of, like, thinking of a couple different things at the moment. There have been portrayals of rape inside other types of media stuff, from music to movies to books and stuff. But when it comes to video games, a lot of those certain things happen to be say banned in other types of countries either it prohibits some certain things and stuff odds are I don't I don't really like the concept of like uh, rape inside media at all to be perfectly honest I mean there are there are delicate ways to handle that type of issue and stuff to be perfectly honest Australia is a country they can do pretty much what they want to do in terms of what they prohibit what their citizens can do but at the same point <laughs> well, well, you know what? At this same point and stuff, I just don't really. Man, it's just really hard for me just to try to comprehend this issue in general and stuff because it's I'm sort of dancing on a delicate line and stuff. It's like you know what? Man, yeah, it's it's just hard for me just to try to formulate and stuff. I don't like 
rape at all. I know how demoralizing it can be for some particular people. I have never experienced it. I hope I never have to experience that or never like uh, have any friends or family that do go through that type of systematic like a traumatization which it leads to people but to try to play a game where maybe the main character is raped or something like that or something like that that personally from a moral perspective that's something i will probably never play <laughs> but from yeah. other people and stuff that's their choice yeah i'm not going to insinuate my thoughts and opinions and complete as something as a whole so it's like i feel that for gamers in australia and stuff if they want to play that game and stuff they should have the option to i don't think that australia should ban the game because of just one or two particular issues that one or two people feel like it's not good for everyone it's really up to the individual person itself you know. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, that, that's all that's us, yeah. you know, coming at it from an American, you know, frame of mind for sure. You yeah. know, we're used to to not having the government, you know, be able to. And I mean, there's precedent, you know, with the whole like rap music in the 90s and stuff where they tried to ban, you know, yeah. you know, two live crew and stuff like that. There's oh, precedent yeah. that that the government is it doesn't have the the right to tell us what we can and can't consume. Uh, but yeah, they just definitely don't have necessarily have that uh, that same mindset in other countries. That's very true. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but to awkwardly uh, move away from that, I think that's going <laughs> to wrap let's up the tip, show for the week. let toe away from the whole... <laughs> <laughs> that inciting a full yeah. riot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's but, a touchy subject. It sure is, you know. And like I said, you know, censorship in general is a bad thing, especially coming from an American state of mind. But then, mm-hmm. you know, rape is also a very bad thing. Yes. So, like I said, you know, like I said, it's kind of a... a and even Gables is like, it, it's a it's a tight line that you're trying to balance you know to, to say censorship is bad but also rape is bad because i'm not definitely not pro-rape you know like it's kind of a weird situation <laughs> yeah. hey, most maybe definitely. a, maybe yeah, a bad know. example to, to to have to have this serious discussion with true yeah i might pick the one of the worst cases for this um we should have we, we should have just talked about saints row three and their baby dildos and say, <laughs> but anyways uh I want to thank you guys so much for listening uh, this week, and I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode and uh, the awkward uh, t- t- uh, walking the fine line uh, on a blade. Uh, we just had the last 20 minutes. But anyways, if you guys want to hear more from us, and hopefully you do, um, we're on Facebook. We have a page and group called uh, Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast, so like and follow us on there. On Twitter, we are uh, at Drunk Nerds Pod. Follow us on there as well. It's usually the best place to go when the first, when the show uh, is out. That's usually one of the first places it uh, pops up on to find the link to the show. On YouTube, we're uh, Drunk-Nerds, so subscribe to us on there. The podcast also goes up on there. So if you can subscribe and hit the like button, it would be really appreciated. Um, and then also on uh, Twitch, we are Drunk-Nerds Podcast. So follow us on there? Yes. Yeah. Follow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sweet. Got follow. it. Right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. By episode 300, I'm gonna have You're it. Just, it's gonna, um, it's gonna flow like butter. <laughs> yeah. God damn, I want some butter right now. Actually, I some butter mm, toast. Butter. Uh, anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I was your host. I was Tyler. I'm Troy. And this has been Colonel Gables. <laughs> I really, I really want some butter toast with like some cinnamon on it right now. That sounds really good. I might as well do that right now. Big glass of milk. So until next week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Peace out. Peace out.
Excuse me. You too many beers there. Anyways, we're on iTunes now, so go on there, check us out. And if you like us, leave us a review. And we'll even shout you out. And Jack will send you his credit card number. <laughs>